Hello and welcome to the West Windsor Fireside Chats episode number two. Today on our show, we have a very special guest from the West Windsor Township, Dr. Fenster. Dr. Fenster, first of all, welcome onto the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Could you just tell us well, a little thank bit? thank you very much for having me. Yes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I've been living in West Windsor since 1986. Mm-hmm. I opened my practice. I'm an endodontist. And hopefully most of you do not know what that is. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm a root canal specialist. And my office is in Princeton. And uh, I came to do dentistry uh, quite interestingly. Um, when I was in high school, I was a serious musician. I've been playing the piano since I was five. I was offered admission to Juilliard and turned it down because yeah. I don't like practicing. I enjoy playing <laughs> and creating. But practicing, I had a very nice, I remember her very well. She was a, my music teacher. Her name was Jean Smith. She was a, a, a beautiful elderly Scottish woman. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, David, you, you give up girls, you give up sports, and you practice four hours a day, or there's nothing more I can do for you. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, I'm in high school. I'm certainly not giving up girls in sports and practicing four hours a day. <laughs> so I didn't go. And, uh, but I wound up, I played uh, a lot of instruments, and I played in groups and rock bands all through college and dental school. And I went to college at Franklin and Marshall and dental school at University of Pennsylvania. And I played in groups all the, all the time. And uh, then when I, it was time to set up my practice, um, I'm from New York originally. Mm-hmm. I had to get away from the Philadelphia Eagles fans. So I, and Princeton is a wonderful community, has mm-hmm. a lot of culture, as you know. Yeah. And, um, so I opened my practice in Princeton, a solo practice. I'm one of those people that um, I like to, I trust myself more than I trust anybody else. So I wanted to practice by myself, at least right off the bat. I guess that. And that brings me today. I'm still doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, not right now because yep. the office has been closed for a month and remains closed. So everybody will be safe. Um, and I'm here in West Windsor speaking with you. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier. Um, Today, we're talking about a specific festival, the Jewish Passover. So I don't know too much about Jewish Passover or anything. So could you tell us about the religious significance of Passover? Absolutely. Passover basically commemorates the biblical story of the Exodus, Mm -hmm. where the Israelites were freed from slavery and left Egypt. And um, the celebration of Passover is prescribed in the book of Exodus in the Bible. And um, there are, the Christians follow the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, The Jewish people only have the Old Testament, which is the five, called the five books of Moses or the Torah. Mm -hmm. Now this holiday essentially is celebrated for eight days here, but only seven in Israel, because the deal behind that is that we do it for an eighth day because we're not quite sure exactly when it begins or ends, but in Israel they know because that's where it happens. And uh, it's kind of funny, but that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's 
the themes of the holiday are springtime, uh, Jewish homeland, family, remembrance of Jewish history, and very importantly, especially today, social justice and freedom. And it includes recognizing those who are still being oppressed today. And all of these aspects are discussed. You know, it's a religious holiday as well, mm-hmm. and it's one of it's one of the harvests. Um, it's the spring harvest where everybody in the old, old, old times would uh, head to Jerusalem to the temple and bring their harvested food to share. Um, oh. And all these aspects are discussed and also symbolically represent the Passover Seder. Mm-hmm. Now, the Hebrew calendar does not match up with the Gregorian calendar that we follow. So the date of Passover, along with other Jewish holidays, changes every year. Now, I know that there are other cultures, such as, um, I believe, your culture, the Indian culture, yeah. follow the lunar calendar as well in terms of holidays. So it's very similar. And there are a lot of similarities that at some point, you know, after we talk about Passover, we can talk about between um, the um, Jewish culture and the Indian culture in terms of holidays like Bali and Hanukkah, similar. Anyway, let me go on with Passover. I'm getting off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? No, that's fine. That's okay. Fine. Well, on the, fir- All right. on the first two nights of Passover, we have a meal called the Seder. Mm-hmm. And the Hebrew word Seder translates in English to order. And essentially, it's a home ritual, Mm -hmm. and it blends religious rituals, food, song, and storytelling. And families hold a Seder. They hold a Seder on the first and sometimes the second night of Passover. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, fundamentally, it's like a religious service set around a dinner table, where, quote-unquote, the order in which participants eat, pray, drink wine, sing, discuss current social justice issues... And they also tell stories. And um, they just don't do it off at the top of their head. It's prescribed by a central book that we read. And there are many, many, many different versions of this book. And this book is called the Haggadah. And the Hebrew word Haggadah means telling. Mm -hmm. And apparently the history of this book goes back to the Middle Ages. Wow. Now, in contemporary Passover celebrations, still use the Haggadah. But relevant political or social justice themes have been incorporated sometimes into the books themselves, but often into the Seder. For example, a very famous one um, was this rabbi in 1969 published something called the Freedom Seder, and that discussed the civil rights movement and the women's movement. Mm-hmm. And um, the retelling of the story of the Jews leaving Egypt is a fixture in all the Haggadahs, because that's really what, what Passover is about. And there are parts of it that, you know, we'll talk about song as well. Um, with the reading um, of Ten Plagues, there's asking of four questions, and there's explaining various rituals, and some of them date back to 2,000 years. So, um, Why don't we, before we talk about the very basic Passover Mm storyline, let's play the first song, the little little clip of that first song. Yes. So here's the first song that is played by Dr. Fenster for your enjoyment.
that song are, when Israel was in Egypt land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go, go down Moses, way down in Egypt land and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now that's essentially the story of, of Passover. That song itself is not a Hebraic song. It is a song that is reflective of what occurred but it really is something that was called, and um, to use the older terms for it, it was called a Negro spiritual. Oh. It's a spiritual that was sung in churches and in synagogues as well. But it was reflective of how the African-American people were enslaved, and um, they related their predicament to what the Jews had in Egypt. They were slaves. So um, the basic Passover storyline is that Pharaoh, who was the leader of Egypt at the time, mm -hmm. was fearful that there were going to be too many Jews living in Egypt. So what he did is he enslaved the Jews mm -hmm. and he demanded that all male, male Jewish babies be killed. Oh. Now, the baby, the famous baby in, in Jewish um, I guess it's not lore in history is Moses, I'm sure you've heard that name yeah. now he's saved by his mother mm -hmm. and she floats him in a basket down the Nile River where mm -hmm. he was found and adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter Oh. and he grows up being raised by the Pharaoh's daughter what happens, he knows that he's Jewish mm -hmm. and he saw a slave master beating some of the slaves and he couldn't take it. So he killed that slave master. And because of that, he fled himself and he went into the desert and he encountered what is talked about in the Bible, a burning bush. Mm -hmm. where God himself revealed himself to Moses. And he said, Moses, you go down to Egypt and lead the Jews out of slavery. Wow. So, what happens is Moses goes and, and asks Pharaoh to let the Jews go. And each time Pharaoh says, no, I won't, what happened, God sends these plagues down on Egypt. There are the 10 plagues. And examples are darkness, lice, boils, cattle disease, mm -hmm. um, locusts, hail. And the 10th and the final plague is the most drastic. It's mm -hmm. the killing of the firstborn by the so-called angel of death now mm -hmm. what the jews did in order to protect their firstborn mm -hmm. they marked their doors with lamb's blood so that the quote-unquote angel of death would pass over them now that's how they got the name passover the oh. passover comes from the hebrew word pesach which means to pass over so the israelites were ultimately freed from slavery and then they wound up wandering in the desert for 40 years before making it to the promised land, which was Israel. Wow. So that's the, that's kind of the story behind Passover that's celebrated. And, you know, I talked to you about the Seder. Mm -hmm. And on, on, on the Seder table, there are things that are constant, no matter how you celebrate it. Okay. And right in the middle of the Seder, right in the middle of the table is this thing called the Seder plate. And there's food on this plate that's not eaten Mm -hmm. But it's represented and you pass things around the table. One is a roasted shank bone, and that represent, represents the 
Pesach sacrifice. They had to sacrifice the lambs to put the blood on. They used to do it in those days. Mm -hmm. I don't like that stuff. I'm an animal guy. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a roasted egg, which represents spring. Mm -hmm. They have a circle and a circle of life. They have a thing of bitter herbs. We use horseradish usually for that. And that's to reflect and represent the bitterness of the slavery. There's something called haroset, which is like an applesauce mixture with wine and nuts. And that represents the mortar that was used by the Jews in Egypt to put to build the pyramids for the Egyptians. Oh. That's what they were enslaved to do. The mortar went between the bricks. Wow. And the last is karpas or greens. And that's off and that's used to represent spring. But along with that is a little dish of salt water. And you dip this in the salt water because the salt water represents tears because even though we were freed we're sad that people died which yeah. i think is nice. yeah. yeah and also on the on the table there are three pieces of matzah do you know what matzah is no what is matzah okay i'll tell you it's a cracker-like unleavened bread Oh. And it's kind of, and people that are Catholic know if they take communion, there's a little wafer. That's a little small piece of that, essentially. And it represents the bread that the Israelites took with them when they fled Egypt because they did not have time for the bread to rise. They couldn't wait for it. So there's no, there was no yeast. And hence, the foods that are permitted to be eaten on Passover contain no yeast. And as I said, the salt water represents tears, tears of the slaves. Now there's also some, this is very important to a lot of people. There's a wine glass on the table. (laughs) And the Torah, the book, the Bible commands that at least four symbolic cups of wine be consumed. Now, some people like that, Mm -hmm. some people don't. (laughs) When we lift the four cups of wine during the meal, Uh the ritual expression essentially is four stages that the Jewish people moved through and it's discussed during the meal. Um, one is that first stage is God will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. The second will, I will deliver you from their bondage. You won't be slaves anymore. The third is I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Essentially I'm bringing you out. And the fourth one is I will take you to me mm-hmm. to be my people. Now, um, you know, it's interesting. And there's also another cup on the table. It's like a fifth cup. Mm-hmm. And that's for the prophet Elijah. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get, that's still to the top, but no one drinks it unless Elijah comes, you know, his spirit comes. Mm-hmm. It's um, in the, placed in the middle of the table and it represents essentially the future ahead, filled mm-hmm. with possibilities of promises for peace on the earth. So at this point, um, why don't you play the second song? The second song is called Dayenu. Mm-hmm. And um, the English translation of that is, it would have been enough. And after you play that, I'll talk about it. Yes. So, so this the second song, Dayenu, that Dr. Fenster just explained, is here now for your enjoyment.
Diane was the song that everybody knows, everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And you you could hear from the melody, it was a happy song. And um, people have a good time uh, singing it because the song is about being grateful to God for all of the gifts that he gave the Jewish people, such as taking them out of slavery, giving them the Bible, the Torah, and the Shabbat, the Sabbath, which is a mm-hmm. day of rest for everybody. And um, what you say, what we say essentially, has God only given one of the gifts, Mm-hmm. That would have been enough. It's to show oh, how much okay. there's a great appreciation for them as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's essential. This and this song appears in the Haggadah, and that comes right after telling the story that I had explained before. Yeah. And this song has 15 stanzas. I just played a couple because we don't. It's it's repetitive. Yeah. And you know, as I mentioned, there's leaving slavery, stanzas of miracles, and the stanzas of being with God. That's that song. Yeah. So, um, you want to get to the third one? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the third one, okay. I don't know how to pronounce that. So, Doctor Fenster, can you go ahead and pronounce okay. that? Absolutely. The pr- the pronunciation of that song is Jerusalem Shel Zahav, and that's okay. the Hebrew for it. And the English translation is Jerusalem of Gold. Okay. So let's play that song, and then I'll talk about that. Okay. So here's Jerusalem of Gold. Jerusalem of gold is not in usually in the Seder 
-hmm. But for me, it's very representative of everybody joining together and Jerusalem being, in my feeling, not necessarily the capital of Israel, but an international city where everybody can come and and, um, discover where they came from and their heritage. And that all happened on June 7th, 1967, um, when that was, uh, the city was liberated. And this um, lady, uh, Naomi Shemer, she herself sang the song for the troops before the war, the festival, making them the first in the world to hear it. And that's how they were told that the city was liberated. Wow. And that's essentially what that what that's about and it's a beautiful song and um and that kind of takes us to the end of passover yeah you know as i said it's seven or eight days mm-hmm. depending on whether you're orthodox conservative uh reform or if you're in israel and um it's a holiday that's celebrated every year and to me the most important point of the whole thing is it um it calls up consciousness about what's going on in the world today and there should be peace everywhere yeah that's what it's about i feel like the messages that you were talking about throughout are so relevant even right now with everything that's going around um you know about peace about justice about making sure there's no discrimination or hate towards certain groups of people and i just saw how everything kind of connected together and how you know this uh this sort of whole meal is a symbol for greater peace and equality, essentially, which was really, really striking. It is. It is. And what's beautiful about it, it's the holiday where the family comes together. Well, of mm-hmm. course, not this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, there were a lot of Zoom seders done. <laughs> um, but the family still did it because it's important to mm-hmm. share the feeling that we were freed from slavery. Everybody should be free everybody should be able to express themselves and live um, a life that they want to live. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't understand why there are people in the world that are intolerant of other people's religions and beliefs, because it doesn't really affect them. Yes. You know, if you want to live in peace, live in peace, let other people be, let them be who they are. If you want to wear a hat in school, I'd probably laugh at you and say, hey, why are you wearing a hat? But you can wear a hat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if yeah. that's part of, you know, you, you, you think you look good or it's part of your beliefs. Yeah. You know, it doesn't affect me. And, mm-hmm. and I believe that we're all equal. Yeah, perfectly said. And I think, thank that's, you. And I think that's the best note to um, end this on. So thank you so much, Dr. Fenster, for talking about this wonderful holiday, its religious significance. And I know we were talking about like how it applies right now and I couldn't agree more uh, in this situation, the importance of peace about coming together as families, as I'm sure we have been forced to actually in the past few uh, weeks to do is just very, very important in times like this. So thank you so much for sharing everything today. Very timely and it's my pleasure and my honor to, uh, to do this and thank you so much for inviting me. Yes. So signing off on this week's WWP Fireside episode, it's Siddharth Satish and the wonderful Dr. Fenster. Goodbye and take care, everybody.